0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Clear as Mud, where we talk to game developers from all walks of life about their personal and professional journeys. I'm your host, Maze. As always, our show is presented by Mudstack, the only asset management and collaboration platform custom built for game studios and digital artists. Mudstack is now free for artists, so sign up today to improve your art production pipeline. For more information, head over to mudstack.com or sign up for our Discord server to speak with our product team. Get ready for an incredible guest on the Clear as Mud podcast. We were lucky to have Dan Fadness, art director at Terraform Studios, sharing his valuable insights on mentorships for aspiring artists. He stressed the need for strong foundational knowledge before diving into mentorship and gave us a glimpse into the crucial role of an art director in the game and film industry. Dan also talked about the importance of communication and problem-solving skills in art direction, shedding light on the challenges artists face navigating the sometimes unforgiving landscape of artistic endeavors. Dan also offered some valuable advice and encouragement for artists working in the game industry. So without further ado, here's Dan. So Dan, can you share some of your personal experience with mentorship as a junior artist? How did it shape your career? And what advice would you give aspiring artists regarding finding good mentorships?
1: I think that the thing about taking classes is they're not really catered to you. They're catered to like a general approach, right? So if you have a specific skill set or a specific interest, or let's say um, you're maybe even further ahead than that and you have certainty about what you want, mentorships are really great because they're kind of like a shortcut. And it's also like a way to really test yourself to see if the foundational knowledge that you have is strong enough to succeed in said mentorship, right? So I also think there's kind of a time and a place for it. Like if you don't have your foundations down, you probably shouldn't pay for mentorship, right? Let's say you don't know how to draw perspective or you don't understand how light works so you don't understand rendering and you haven't gone through the scott robertson series or something right you probably shouldn't pay for a mentorship to help you learn those foundational skills because it's going to cost you a lot of money but if you have those skills under your belt mentorship for design for for composition for storytelling for the expression parts of of what you're doing that's that's a priceless thing and I, i would highly
0: recommend people seek mentorship what you really are looking for is kind of direction and coaching, career coaching, things like that. I think that's where you can really benefit a lot from just working with somebody who actually knows the field. And then a lot of the times there are group mentorships, but a lot of the times just having that one-on-one is going to bring out so much of your good creative abilities. You're probably going to discover a lot about yourself in that process. Yeah, definitely.
1: It's nice to be seen a little bit for who you are and what you like and what you want to do. And that can be just a little bit harder when you're taking a curriculum that was, again, not designed for you. It's, you know, it's designed for a general approach to subject A, B, or C.
0: Can you describe satisfaction or maybe even the challenges that you've had just seeing your concepts realized in game and film?
1: Most of most of my career at this point has been in art direction. Seeing those things come to fruition is is really cool, but because I'm working more as a director and less as a designer, it's it's more like I'm kind of there to to bolster, aid and help other people get their ideas off the ground, which it's exciting to see, but the the problem with what we do at at Terraform is we're really, really early on in, in, in like Blue Sky pre-production design phase. We might work on something five years before a product comes out or three years before a product comes out. And so I would say the bulk of our projects haven't even been released. The ones that have been released though, are it's super exciting. It's really cool to see assets that we've designed end up in game. It's It's really cool to see like, we worked on The Walking Dead, the VR game that, that they made, like, a second version of recently. And you can see a bunch of that work on the Terraform art station. But basically, you know, like, I got to draw some faces for the comic book and, and art direct the the way that the comic book unfolded with my friend and cohort, Oscar. And it's really cool to see, like, a bunch of stuff that we made in Photoshop end up as a animated visual storyboard and, and graphic novel kind of inside of a VR game, like that's pretty cool. So it's always fun to see, but it's always really odd also because it goes through a lot of changes. Well, it depends on what it is. It can go through a lot of changes, but sometimes, sometimes what you see in the final product is exactly what you made and that's really exciting. And sometimes what you see has had additional layers of direction. And maybe it's a bit different and you kind of can just see how your, your concepts informed that final design, but it's still, it's still pretty exciting.
0: You pretty much anticipated what my next question was. So I was just going to ask, can you shed some light on what does an art director do in the game and film industry? I think that it's this role that's maybe not as clearly defined or obvious as other art roles. So could you just like, maybe, maybe walk me through a day. Like, what does a day look like for you as an art director?
1: i talk to a lot of people. I've probably got about 20 projects under my belt at the studio. Maybe more, honestly, I've never totaled it up, but when I don't have a lot of projects, I get to do a lot of paint overs. I get to do lots of lighting adjustments. I get into blender and mess with stuff but when i'm busy which is more often the case than not a lot of what i'm doing is just kind of like putting out fires and trying to trying to find the easiest and most effective solution to problems that arise both on the creative side but then also on the client side we like to have our artists not need to participate in client meetings and things like that, because we want them to focus on being creative. We want to also have a studio, you know, where where the artists can just be artists. And I think if you ask, if you ever interview any other artists that worked at Terraform, I think they'd, they'd, hopefully they'd have great things to say about working with us, but we we want them to just be creatively empowered, not stressed out um, and able to just focus on what they do best, which is, you know, design and invention and blue sky work. So I also kind of have to take problems or any frustrations that come down the line, which, which don't happen that often, if I'm being honest. But if they do, it's kind of like my job to synthesize those and figure out how to communicate them to the team in a way that's, that doesn't stress everyone out. You know, It's kind of the difference between you submit a piece of art to someone and they're like, I really don't like this, make this. I take that feedback and I go, hey, great job. Let's make a second iteration, right? So it's kind of like a lot of my job is is really being careful and thoughtful about communication. And then the other part of it is finding solutions to things that we don't have answers for. So a lot of time, because we're in blue sky, we also will end up in a phase in production where people want us to just invent stuff out of, out of thin air, right? Because they don't have a clear story, maybe. They don't have... Any production assets, you know, we're designing things before they're really fleshed out by the client themselves a lot of the time. So what's fun about that is I get to be really inventive as a story person with my team. But what's also kind of a challenge, too, is you're kind of guessing sometimes, right? You kind of have to just make an idea or just decide on a consecrated look or path and then say you know, this is what we're gonna do. Our plan B is to try this other look and then we'll send them both looks and, and the client can kind of choose one of the two options. And it, and it tends to work out really well, but I think that's, that's probably my favorite part of the job actually is when we don't have a lot of direction and I have to kind of with the team help invent, you know, really big world influences, you know, jump into world building, figure out semiotics, figure out hierarchy, motif, symbolism, iconography, like all of that stuff. That stuff's really fun for me. I think on a typical day, just to actually circle back to your question, on a typical day, you do a lot of that, but but most of the job, when things are streamlined, most of the job is honestly just communication and trying to have quick problem solving skills, I think. You got to be able to You got to be able to be quick on your toes, right?
0: Do you think that there were any previous experiences that you had before going into this role that kind of prepared you or made you feel like you can do that? You can kind of remix things on the fly and work with the inherent chaos of a production schedule and also balancing artists who can be, you know, they have their own creative visions and maybe those don't always align with like the budget or the production schedule.
1: I think until you hit a certain age, especially in your 20s and and earlier, you go through life kind of not aware of the cumulative effort of your experiences. You're kind of unaware of how all these seemingly random things that happen to you and that you've done and committed yourself to affect the greater kind of competency of self or the greater kind of purpose of self or you know w- w- the myriad of, of, of versions of yourself but to answer that question I think I think yeah I mean I I knocked doors I dropped out of college when I was 20 like right away I went to film school and I and I hated it not because I hated film school but because I went to film school in a city in Colorado where there was no like industry right so it didn't make any sense and so I dropped out of school and I started a landscaping company, which I built from the ground up with friends by literally knocking on doors, just going to neighborhoods and knocking on doors. And when you deal with a certain amount of rejection all day, because you knock 10 doors, you might get one interested person kind of thing. When you deal with a certain amount of rejection like that all day, though, you just kind of get used to having whatever problem you can imagine being thrown at you and not stressing out about it. And then when we actually started getting clients, we didn't know what we were doing. So it was like, I would get a budget from a client and then I would have to like go to Home Depot or like go to the library and read a book about the subject that I didn't know anything about. Right. Cause I was just, I had to pay my rent. I, I needed to, it wasn't like a matter of, can I do this? It was a matter of, I have to do this. There's no other option. Cause this is, this is where I've positioned myself as a degreeless you know blue collar knocking doors landscaper and that was where i think i got really really comfortable dealing with problems and then i think i've had i've had several jobs also outside of that but that experience specifically i think really helped me later in life and that's kind of what i mean when i say until you hit a certain age it can be hard to to look at stuff like that and be like wow you know that really who would have thought that that would be that would have been useful for being an art director in entertainment? You know, ten years later, I sure as hell didn't when I was knocking doors ten years ago. You know, or like fifteen years ago at this point. But it's it's cool it's cool that if you face difficult things and try to do difficult things and, and try to push yourself when you're young, even if you have to change careers or even if you have to change industries or you know do something else with your time it will usually empower you it, it ends up being a part of your skill set your tool set and your your ability to be resilient because i think i think inability to be resilient is really critical when you're dealing with when your job is to sort of reduce problems right it's important that you are resilient to some extent
0: absolutely you got to really like learn how to take a punch so to speak you know
1: yeah and not take it personal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. What made you take the big leap and do this big career change? You know, you had your own business going, you made something out of nothing for yourself. What was the big motivating factor to get back into doing a creative career path?
1: Actually, landscaping turned into going back to school. You know, I got tired of being in the sun 14 hours a day, so I went back to school I got an electrical engineering degree. I, I used that to work as a landman in the oil and gas industry and alternative energy industry sector for six years. I had a myriad of jobs before landscaping. I, I had a lot of different jobs. But what I would find was as soon as I got good at something, I was just drawing Like, 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 regardless of every job that I had, what would happen is I would get good at something, right? And then I would slack off and I would just be drawing at work instead of doing what I should be. And I did that in school. It wasn't really until I saw like Feng Zhu videos and started seeing things on YouTube that I realized like, oh my God, this is a, this is a career. Like, I'm not just some weird dude who draws monsters in a sketchbook and like, you know, no one, and every, no one understood why. Because like, I lived in a place that didn't really have a creative industry. Like Denver a cool city, but it's creative industry just like doesn't exist. And so it wasn't really until I saw that it, there was an industry, there were people that did stuff like that all day for a job, you know, and they weren't just like weird artists in Japan that I had art books for, but they were like, there were people I could actually, you know, stand beside and, and learn from and work with. And so it, as soon as I figured that out, I immediately dropped all of my plans and goals and ambitions and made a portfolio to get into art center. Like I think that I think I think I saw like three Feng Zhu videos, and then the next day I started working on a plan to to get to los angeles and and to get into art Center.
0: That story is more common than you would think. We've talked to a lot of different artists who, started their creative career later in their life. And main thing that they all pretty much say is I was always drawing, That's, but I never thought like, oh, this this could be something that could sustain a lifestyle. It's probably partially due to things like YouTube and the proliferation of the internet where there's a little bit of transparency about what goes into making a film or what goes into making a game and all of the different players that are needed you know when people come from a less than idealistic background they probably just don't have time to think oh this thing that i really love to do that could be my everyday thing and i don't maybe have to do all of this other stuff if i work really hard i can potentially turn this passion this this singular constant that's been in my life into something. I think that's the amazing thing about when people get on a podcast or when they talk about their stories, like you're probably, there's a high chance that somebody else is going to discover that story and it will be the first time that they've heard it. And they might have that epiphany themselves of, Hey, I can do this too.
1: I mean, I hope so. Cause there's nothing better than realizing that there's a place for it full of people just like you and you can just go there. Like, <laughs> it, it was it was the first time in a long time in my life I think I'd been that excited about anything. I hope if this helps someone at all, I hope so. But even, even if not, I can only imagine that just knowing the rest of how the U.S. is built, right, creatively, it's hard to not imagine that everyone kind of in my age bracket or similar age range had a similar story in some capacity, you know.
0: When artists do get into making art a career, a lot of artists aspire to become art directors or creative directors. Do you believe that that hierarchical trajectory is essential or are there alternative paths for artists to progress and excel in the industry that might be better suited for them? I think
1: people want to climb the corporate ladder because that's what they're told they're supposed to do. Especially if you're a student, right? You're like... Here's the chain of command. Here's how you get to the top. And and I honestly think that's all bullshit. I, I think if you just like to draw, just do that. If you just like to paint and be a colorist, just do that. Like there's really no reason to be an art director or a creative director unless you really, really like directing and unless you really, really, really like socializing more than you like making art. Because you do not get to make art very much at all. Like I have to set aside time to make art. If that sounds great, go for it. But if that sounds bad to you, there's no reason to try and improve your leadership qualities and all of that other stuff when you could just be a better designer, right? Just be the best colorist, be the best creature person or ship builder or whatever you want to do. And I think you'll be you'll be happier than trying to follow a path pursuing seniority for the sake of status. I think anytime you pursue status, you're you're putting the cart before the horse.
0: I'd have to fully agree there because I do think that once you take those roles, people are going to kind of assume like, oh, you're a director guy, like you're a project management guy, you know, and it it can start to define your career and like snowball out of place. So I think If you are an artist and you really love doing art, that's your passion. I think maybe one of the best things that you could do is get really good and become like a specialist. We've talked a lot about hiring trends in the industry. And one thorough thread that I've heard is the name of the future is high specialization. The people who are most in demand for like actual art roles, it's because they're an amazing hair texture artist. And they just do it and they just, they own that, you know, they work extremely hard and they, they practice, practice, practice. And if you're taking on these project management roles, maybe those skills are never going to fully realize themselves because you just, like you said, you don't have time. You have to just carve out little slots in your day to keep your art skills honed.
1: Yeah. Sometimes like, sometimes I feel like I have to carve out little slots in my day to just not lose my art skill like sometimes it feels like my art is almost entirely in stasis. Like it's not improving, but it's not getting worse. It's just maintaining. Like that's how busy I get, right? If that sounds scary to you, good. Don't don't be an art director. <laughs> like just be an artist. And I think you're right about the specialization too, if I may touch on that a little bit. So one of the things I've noticed working in Blue Sky so much is it's actually really hard sometimes to find artists that can do specific things because it seems like a lot of artists are learning from the same gumroads or from the same hubs and taking the same classes and there's nothing wrong with that because it it gets people a general knowledge and you need that general knowledge before i think you can you can be super specialized really 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 thoughtfully designed architecture for entertainment It's hard to find people that do that sometimes because usually they're all working, right? Because they're so specialized, everyone wants them. And we've hired a lot of people that can do that really well too. And so they're already on projects. And sometimes I have a really hard time filling job roles. I do think the people that we tend to hire the most and the people that are able to kind of roll with the times and the punches more are people who have just really beefed up that design skill specifically. You know, if you're if you're in the top 10 designers on ArtStation or whatever, like you will always have work, you know. But if you're a person that just makes beautiful keyframes and your design skill is kind of weak, you might not have work. You might get replaced by Unreal Engine. And I'm not saying that to like scare people, but I'm I'm saying that to kind of say like you know, put your put your energy and time into design. Cause I think design design will always win. And I also think AI and things like that are, are really terrible at design. They're really good at making like lit images and, and things look beautiful, but in terms of actual design and shape hierarchy and semiotics and form language and motif and symbolism and iconography, it doesn't do a very good job. And so that's great because that means that we all still have a place in the industry. It means that there's a place, like you said, for high specialization. And that, that high specialization is, I think, definitely the way of the future. The, the question then I think becomes like, are you the type of person that really wants to specialize? You know, Because if you are, then, then being an artist is a great path. But if you're the type of person that really doesn't like to specialize and you like doing more generalized things and you're kind of more open and easygoing and you go with the flow more, then art direction and, and manage and, and things like that, I think are a better suit for, for people like that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. That takes us kind of full circle to what we began talking about is like the role and value of good mentorships, because if you do want to get to that degree of refinement and like high specialization, one of the best ways that you can do that is find somebody else who's already there and learn everything that you possibly can from them. But that's not the kind of thing that you're going to get in a general curriculum,
1: and I also think tutorials and Gumroad, sometimes I think people confuse execution with design, you know, like rendering and lighting and cycles render and cool materials all blended together. Like that stuff looks sick, it looks really, really cool. But I would honestly, if I'm, if I'm just looking at design, I would rather see a line drawing with no color with, or maybe some indication of color, but no, no material. No lighting. I don't need any of it. I just need forms. I just need to see what the thing is going to be and how it's going to be built. And I think is like a conundrum with some of the, the, like as tech advances, maybe people don't pay as much attention sometimes to like what design is. Cause it's so fun. I, I do it myself. Like I made a Western town this week. I'm not designing anything, you know, like I'm just getting in cycles and making an illustration. Like it's, it's a fairly redundant thing for me to be making at this point in my career, but it's, it's fun to light things. It's fun to use cycles. It's fun to render things. It's fun to use octane. Like all that stuff is super fun and it's an important part of the job. Don't get me wrong, but I think, I think what's more important is just being able to design something without all the bells and whistles. If, if you can make a design that looks good without a cool camera angle, and without really impressive materials and lights and stuff, if it just looks good as like a gray box render with like a single light source from like a 50 millimeter standard lens, it's going to look good in a shot. It's going to look good in a painting. It's going to look good as a final, right? And and I think when you take mentorship, like when you take a tutorial or a gumroad, they don't teach you that stuff. Like generally, you learn how to make the cool Western town. You'll learn how to like, link up textures and blender, but it's pretty hard to find a tutorial or a gumroad about how to make a beautiful design, just to design itself right in isolation before it gets put in a keyframe or added to a city or, you know, however it gets used. And so I think to circle back to what you said, like that's where mentorship really shines and, and really takes you to another level is, is you get that training that isn't maybe abundantly ubiquitously available as a tutorial online.
0: I have to agree with pretty much everything that you just said. I personally like really love line art. I do some 2D stuff and I have a graphic novel that I've been working on for a long time. And I don't ever want to color anything. My favorite part is just, just putting those lines down. There's something magical about when you get that really nice curve, that's just like perfect and gives it, gives it exactly what you're going for. I don't know. I know exactly
1: what you're talking about. I mean, there's there's something to be said for an effective line or, or a precise line, something that speaks what your intentions are. I mean, I'm so obsessed with design process that when I collect art books from all of my favorite artists, I never collect their finished works. I only collect their sketchbooks because I only want to see, I don't care about how they paint. I don't care about what their brush strokes look like. Like anyone, you can figure that out. That's, that's easy stuff to find you just watch a YouTube tutorial, like it's everywhere. But what's not easy to find is design thinking. How did that person arrive at that decision in an iterative drawing process or a blockout process or ZBrush process or whatever their process is? How did they sketch out ideas prior to kind of arriving at fault, like polishing, finalizing and finishing that thing up? I really love learning and looking at design process from my favorite artists.
0: All right. Well, I think that's that's pretty much all of my questions. The one thing that we usually do is we give whoever is a guest the opportunity to make any shout outs that they want to do, plug any of their handles if they want. So go ahead and do that if you'd like to. I mean, I
1: don't I don't really need to plug myself. I'm kind of spoiled and and I think about this a lot. If there was if there was anything I wanted to say about that, I think it would be if you live and work in LA you know that there's a lot of artists who don't have any social media presence because they don't need to because they're in the industry already and everyone knows them. So like I get jobs at this point through word of mouth and probably will in the future. But a lot of my friends who live in other countries, you know, they're constantly posting online because they need visibility, right? They don't have that easy access. They're not kind of spoiled like I am. If anything, I would point you to the artists at, at Terraform. Check out check out the artists that work at on our projects. Check out their art station. It's the Terraform Studios art station terraformstudios.com. You can also follow all the artists links to their art stations and, and just just look at the people that are doing really, really impressive design work. Cause if there's one thing I'll say about our studio you know yeah we do nice lighting and rendering and matte painting and keyframes and all that stuff but really i think what what we do is we're a design house and i've got a, i've gotten to work with some really incredible incredible people so check check those guys out don't don't check me out
0: <laughs> i love that well thank you so much you've been a pleasure to talk to you, and i think that you have some really really good insights that, you know, a lot of our listeners are younger artists who are just starting out in the industry, or maybe haven't even broke into the industry. And so I think you have a lot of really valuable things that that they can learn from. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the Clear as Mud podcast. Sure,
1: of course. I'm fadness underscore sketch at, on Instagram. If anyone has questions about yeah, and, and I and I've helped a few other people get into schools and, and done some little personal mentorships myself. I'm not currently doing that. I don't have time. But if people have questions for me or just want to ask me things, I'm I'm pretty available online. I don't post my art that much. I'm not like transparent creatively at the moment. But I, you know, I am available if anyone wants to, you know, ask me about how to get into a studio like Terraform or, you know, any anything really.
0: That's that's awesome of you, man. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is when we talked, you seem to have a lot of compassion for people who are working in this industry or who are trying to pursue their dreams and stuff.
1: It's hard not to. I feel like I've met some people that have like really big egos about it. And I think it's really like nearsighted because maybe they forgot how fucking hard it was. <laughs> like it's, it's really hard. Like it's crazy hard. So you know, I try to always even though my life is pretty easy right now, like I'm getting married, you know, like life's good, like everything's I mean, my work's work takes up a lot of my time, but I'm not like fighting to get into the industry, you know. I've also been out here and seen a lot of art center students and people that can't afford to go to art center and try to learn it, like brainstorm or like, you know, design their education from scratch. And it's, it's, it takes everything they have, you know, it really does. It takes everything they have. And so I want to, you know, always be available. I'm always available to people that are putting in the effort. You know, if I will say this, like, don't hit me up if you're not actively making stuff. I don't want, I don't want to help you, but if you're actively making stuff and you're actively trying, hit me up, you know, I'll help but it's, it's really that simple. <laughs> like Cause I, 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 it was really hard for me. I had to uproot my whole life to come out here. My first job that I had got canceled because of COVID. I was out of work for 10 months for the first time since I was 16. I've had a job since I was 16 and COVID was the first time I had no work since I was like 16. I couldn't find a job. And it was, it was, it was crazy. I thought about giving up. I thought about leaving LA. And then after COVID, I started getting freelance work again. And then I got a art director position but it's like man I I was really close to giving up and so having to go through that and a myriad of other struggles in my life I think has made it if there's anything I can offer people it's it's just compassion for how hard things are you know that you want to do like they're supposed to be that hard one of my friends moved to New York recently he doesn't have He has a decent amount of money saved up, but he's not like a rich guy. And he's, I think he's been comfortable in his place for maybe too long. And, you know, he called me and he was kind of having, everything was falling apart and everything was really hard. And he was like, why is everything like this? And I told him, I said, everything that you want is supposed to be that hard. If you want to live an exceptional life, you know, if you want to be an exception to the rule, if you want to do things that people dream of, but don't usually do, it's going to be hard. It's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done because it's supposed to be. If it wasn't that hard, everyone would do it. It would be easy and it would be ubiquitous. So to anyone who's young and listening, if you're really struggling and you're really feeling shitty and, you know, things are really difficult, just remember like you're on the right path. That's a good sign. It's supposed to be that difficult, right? If it wasn't, then you're probably climbing the wrong hill.
0: I think that's really solid advice. All right, Dan, well, I know you got to get back to work. I just want to thank you again. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you today. All right, everyone, that's our show. Just want to give a huge thank you to Dan for joining us today and a huge thank you to all of our listeners. I also wanted to give a shout out to Mudstack for making the Clear as Mud podcast possible. If you want to learn more about Mudstack, be sure to head over to mudstack.com, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and join our Discord server where you can talk to our product team.